2: So you're both calling yeah. from New York, right? No, I wish.
1: We're we're in Montreal.
2: Montreal. Oh, so Montreal's the same difference. You're five hours behind, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. We're the same. What is it? Longitude.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm for New York, then because of the time. And I've had a lot of podcasts recently from New York, and they've always been this time, and they are. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Wow. There must be so but much Montreal's a competition. nice place,
2: man. I went there um, when I was sixteen. For four weeks. Loved okay. it. Montreal, Ontario. Nice. Um, yeah, cruise around there. Drove over to North America to Lake Placid. Good times.
0: Oh, sweet, sweet. Man.
2: Where haven't you been, man? You, you, <laughs> you've traveled a lot. <laughs> you know, still on my list, I've not been to the continent of South America. I need to get myself there.
0: Where specifically?
2: Africa, I've done Africa, but not... I have, but I haven't. You know, I did Madagascar of course and yeah I did Morocco which is right up north. Um not really mainland Africa though, is it? So so Africa, yeah, I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man. I heard you guys talking about it on the Joe Rogan podcast, like like as a joke or something. Wait, was that Rogan's? But like just like crossing another desert, you know, like an impossible desert. It's like, oh yeah, that sounds like something hashtags would do.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, I'd love that. The desert, it just always hooks me in. You know, like the ocean, when you look out and it gives you that wonderlust. the desert. The ocean does that for me, but the desert does it as well. One thing you that... You know, these rolling sand dunes and you're like, oh, let's just keep going. Well, so dangerous.
0: One thing, so thing cool. that got me, I was in Israel a few years back and we were in the deserts. Yeah. And yeah. The, the sky, man, holy shit. We were staring up. Yeah. You, I literally were seeing the Milky Way. It was insane.
2: It's beautiful yeah. out there, no light pollution at all. Isn't I know. It? So you just oh, it feels like you've got the sky to yourself, doesn't it? I was it like, is... my neck was killing because I was just like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you see any human stars? Yeah. What, any satellites? Yeah. Did yeah. You? Whatever the hell that
0: was, they were all over the place.
2: Yeah. It was beautiful. The a a road rage from the aliens above hey spun away. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: who knows, man? Who knows?
2: Who the hell knows? <laughs> So, so yeah, the deserts are a quality. So you guys traveled, you've been out and about?
1: I mean Come see comes Yeah, a little bit, yeah.
0: I mean I yeah. went to Thailand last year and that was about oh,
2: Thailand's awesome, isn't it? You were I just there not Thailand,
0: long, during like the beginning of the pandemic, no?
2: Yeah, I was uh, it's funny because I booked a flight, it was just two weeks out there and I didn't have to change my return flight date. My family were going to fly out in the second week, but they had their trip canceled from the UK. Um, and then I just said, oh, I'll see how it goes. You know, if they cancel flights, I'll just I'll just stay in Thailand. Not a bad bloody place to be at all. Um, but if the flights are still going, then I'll come home. And the flights were still go. Mine was the last flight, Whoa. I believe, one of the last flights out from Phuket. So I was lucky. I didn't have to rearrange flights. <laughs> I just enjoyed the two weeks that I was there. I isolated myself in the ocean. And uh, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and then I back when that time was... Ready to come back, but yeah, it's weird in the UK. You know, I had the whole road to myself almost on the drive from the airport back home, just like a good hour and a half. Whoa. But um, I'm in Wales, so it's relatively quiet here anyway. And so a lot of people are still going out and go to the beach and whatnot. It's only a mile away. They it's have, not the best. Mm-hmm. It's not proper beach weather, but you wouldn't jump in the sea, you know. Yeah, it'll be a little bit mad to do that. But um, <laughs> it's still nice, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: What was scary was you you showed footage of Thailand, like what used to be like super packed areas were kind of like almost empty, which was like, whoa, because I was just there. So seeing that, I'm like, holy shit, I know how busy Thailand gets, you know?
2: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And that was on the busiest road in Phuket. That was Bangalore Road, seedy, dodgy little place. But when it's happening, it is like you're (laughs) bumping into people all the time. And then pretty much, you know, the whole street was relatively empty. All the clubs, bars were closed down. It was crazy to see it like that, yeah. Yeah. And even the flight home, it was weird with the flight, you know, because the pilot was even saying, uh, you know, stay well, stay healthy, and I hope to see you soon Mm. in the sky in the near future. And that was just quite eerie, you know. (laughs) You you don't hear a pilot say that. Not like, rest up, brace up, and hopefully I'll see you back in the sky in the future. I hope you make it. yeah yeah <laughs> i
1: crazy. hope i have a job when you guys come back even like he's he's saying goodbye to his job in a
2: way too like yeah exactly that yeah that's the way i was looking at it as well i was like wow yeah he's not gonna be flying for a, for a long while as well we we're all just there in the plane sort of i don't know fella like with the only ones in the sky coming home and we obviously were not but geez but how you know every every red light turns green we'll be back to normal i hope Meanwhile, it's bad for humanity, but good for the environment, isn't it? A lot of big changes being um, being done right now.
0: Absolutely. The
2: world is, is healing naturally. Um, but yeah, the quicker we get back to normal, the better, isn't it? Because I miss the airports. <laughs> <laughs> you miss them. Everyone hates the airports. Oh, I love airports. I love the airport food. I love just the whole vibe and the atmosphere. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the drive to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> That's...
1: That's something, man. I I, I mean, I, I've gone my one big trip, I think, in my whole yeah. life is India. I just went there for a couple months and yeah. I dreaded the flight. I mean, like I, I didn't I didn't know what I was getting into. And there was an excitement, right. you know, like yeah. you're ripping the bandaid off. It's too late to turn back now kind of thing. Yeah. But then I was in the I was like in flight for like a day, like a, like a good 23 hours. I had nightmares of, of like being on a plane when I landed. Like, like, I hated it.
2: I, yeah, really, I you just didn't
1: like it. No, I just people that just,
2: What is it? Was it the claustrophobicness or was it just... Yeah, infuration? like, I don't,
1: I don't... It's almost like, it's like a caginess. Like, I don't think I felt a cla- claustrophobic in, at the moment, but I yeah. was just, couldn't move and, and got kind of antsy and I'm not really able to sleep comfortably. Like, I don't think anyone is on a plane. Like, even with those... Yeah, I know what you mean. Unless you've got a roll to yourself that's yeah <laughs> or you're just one of those people who just kind of conks out you know you're just like <sighs> like i, I yeah, can't I do i've got that. a
2: friend like that sleeps everywhere i've taken taken photos of the of the weird <laughs> positions he had slept on boats, <laughs> on, trains, on planes just sat up in a wooden chair and yeah i can <laughs> compile them up i should do a timeline and compile them up of all the different. <laughs> it's weird don't get it <laughs> i'm, l- I'm, I'm probably a little bit envious as well you know yeah, yeah that's it i'm just
1: a, i'm a light sleeper i can't do it so like i would literally be in a hotel somewhere yeah. in fucking madurai trying to yeah. sleep and i would wake up because i thought i was like in a in a chair in the in the plane again you know with like an elbow <laughs> and like a and like something happening uh, on the intercom and i just kind of go <laughs> like <laughs> and i was like that was a nightmare like i was i was afraid i, I don't know that being said, though, like yeah, twenty-three hours is nothing. We're talking to a guy who who walks like you. Look, you you put Frodo to shame. You know, you walk for for years. Yeah, but I'm sure you've gotten that joke like ten yeah, times yeah, over yeah. for sure. Like yeah, you could it have is brought like the Lord ring.
2: of the Rings adventure as well, isn't it? The amount of diversity I'm going through. <laughs> yeah, should have I carried know. the ring with me the whole way. That would have been <laughs> awesome, just man.
0: <laughs> just plant it somewhere at your destination.
2: Yeah, man, hashtag my precious. (laughs) So maybe just
0: like a quick intro for those who don't know you, maybe uh, you can just list or explain what you've done and accomplished because it's quite a big list. Maybe if you can narrow it down.
2: (laughs) Yeah, sure. So I'm Ash Dykes. I am from Wales in the UK. I'm a British adventurer, an extreme athlete, three-time world first record holder and author of Mission Possible and Speaker. Um, and my three world records are the first person to walk solo and unsupported across Mongolia. So that was pulling a trailer weighing 120 kilograms or 260 pounds, uh, three weeks over the Altai mountains, five weeks across the Gobi Desert, three weeks across the Mongolian steppe. It was 1500 miles and it took 78 days to complete. Second journey was the first to walk the entire length of Madagascar via its interior, um, summiting the eight highest mountains along the way. That was 1,600 miles, and it took 155 days to complete. But most recently was my Mission Yangtze expedition, which was another world first, but to become the first person uh, recorded in history to walk the entire length of the Yangtze River in China from source to sea. 4,000 miles, taking 352 damn days to complete. Holy a long <laughs> <run>. Just Just <laughs>
1: an inch under a year.
2: An inch under a year. Wow. Yeah, maybe I should have dragged out those last few days. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we could round up. Okay, so my question is, do
2: you have nightmares about that? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I I, did before I attempted the journeys. Yeah, oh, wow. especially with Mongolia. I was so shit scared of Mongolia um, because I'd never done anything that big before. You know, I had done adventures, dangerous, reckless, sometimes with no permit. Sometimes mm. with no visa. Oh, wow. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> Off I go, type of thing, cycling countries.
0: Wow.
2: Um, with no pump or puncture repair kit. But that was like with a friend, <laughs> you know, that was, we would have banter, we would laugh, we, you know, we you really? get that freedom, off we went, type of thing. We were always relatively safe because if we're on a bike, we're obviously on a road. If there's a road, there's people. If there's people, there's food, there's water. Um, but Mongolia was that first big one, I'm, I'm talking, when, when some people say so alone and unsupported, what they mean is sort of they're walking alone and they're not with someone the van is trailing behind them a few miles or ahead of them a few miles carrying their provisions in which i don't know man i see that not really as unsupported i see that as supported but from a distance mm. um so in my case it was like there was no van there was you know it was such a <laughs> low budget expedition that even if even if i slipped into worst case which i did i did almost die at one point um oh. i couldn't call no no military or no helicopter to come pick me up my only means of backup was a text only because that's all i could afford a text <laughs> only satellite phone um it took me about 10 minutes just to type help me uh to my <laughs> agent who was in the capital city and i would need to rely on him at least 3 to 4 days to get to me if he found me in that time and that's pretty fast if you're in the middle of the gobi desert and then another two weeks, to, uh, another two days to get me to safety. That's almost like a week until you are rescued in which if you stand on the back end of a snake, a week's just too, a week's just too long. Um, and so, yeah, it was completely solo apart from the people that i met along the way, which they are all a part of the journey. I love me the locals because you learn so much from them, um, but they would never trek with me, you know, and unsupported meaning, yeah, you know, I had to carry all of my ration packs over five weeks' worth. Wow. Um, on my trailer. That's why it weighed, it weighed the same weight as a, as a world heavyweight boxer. You know, it was painful. <laughs> and I lost a lot of weight and became very skinny. I was struggling a lot. <laughs> Did
0: you lose like over 30 pounds or something like that?
2: Uh, yeah, 13 kilograms. So what would that be in pounds? That's probably about like 20, pounds, 26,
0: 28 it? pounds around. Wow. Yeah, maybe yeah, more.
2: Yeah. And that was mainly in the. That was mainly the Gobi Desert stint, but yeah. then saying that when I caught malaria in Madagascar, I lost thirty thirty pounds again, almost in the space of a few days. Holy! Yeah. So, and that was only one month into a five month expedition. I still, I still have that's, four months to go. This that's begs the question. Door,
1: man,
0: that's terrifying. This begs the that's question, so man: bad. is <laughs> what started what started this uh, this crazy rampage?
2: This
0: so, what started this, like? This this rampage to go on these crazy journeys, man. Um,
2: you know, I, I when I was younger, I was always very sporty and very competitive. Would I say I was super adventurous? As a young as a youngster, probably probably not. I was adventurous for sure, but I wasn't one of those tree huggers. Like <laughs> you know, let's go camping this weekend. Yeah, I prefer to be out with my mates playing tennis, rugby, football. Um, but then there were the weekends would come where we would. You know, we'd pack some alcohol, we would um, take lighters with us, we'd create like a little bonfire, we'd sleep around it, we would chat, we would drink, you know, every sort of teenage goes through that stage. But then I guess, I guess it was when I moved from high school to college, I, I knew that I wanted to do something with the outdoors and there was an outdoor education course in college, which was a diploma. And in that course, although there was an awful lot of theory, there was a lot of hands-on practical work as well. We'd be getting our avalanche awareness, our winter mountaineering, our powerboat license, surfing, climbing, kayaking, you name it. And I loved that idea. So I did that course. um, And it was that course that I realized I was far more of a kinesthetic learner. You know, I learned far more through hands-on practical experiences. And I made the decision in college that I didn't want to go on to university. Because I believe we all learn in different ways. If Absolutely. you can learn in the classroom, go for it. It makes sense. Um, but if you learn through experience, you're not really going to experience much when a teacher is just telling you about their experience and their knowledge. Uh, if you learn that way, great. You know, that's the easier way. But I knew <laughs> that I would need to learn the hard way. Like, it's bad. Even if someone says, don't do that because this will happen. I'll still do it the wrong way, but then I'll learn from that and I'll never make the same mistake twice. Um, but you know i was working in a fish and chip shop i was working as a waiter uh my car was guzzling my little my my few pennies that i would make at the end of each week so i got rid of my car i decided on a plan let's go out let's explore the world let's develop myself i'd be developing my maths because i'd be juggling different currencies i'd be developing my english because i'm having to to type up and write professional looking emails i'd be developing my confidence wow. uh, my self-esteem i'd be putting myself out there in awkward dangerous and sometimes embarrassing scenarios that i would learn from you know i'd be throwing myself in the deep end and i i just love this idea and you know the uk it's very high on its health and safety and i love the I- idea of going off traveling and just watching my own back type of thing you know
0: yeah
2: um I'm just doing just see just seeing what the world's about i was curious it's a big it's a beautiful world lots to see lots to do and i just wanted to try to make that happen so i was working 240 hours a month as a lifeguard i sold my car uh, and bought a bicycle I was just cycling every day to and from work sometimes four o'clock in the morning uh, for those 5 a.m. starts yeah. <laughs> and, uh, along the coast in Wales, which is, it looks nice outside now because it is, but yeah. 90% of the time it's rainy and windy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, you know, I was ticking, I broke all my goals down into lots of little sections, created this mind map of what I needed to tackle first, kept ticking them off until eventually, I, um, age 19, I, I set off. Uh, and that's pretty much when the madness started. So that's how sort of the idea came about but then the madness started probably from China. you know? That was a long answer, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, I love it,
1: man. I get the feeling we could just let you talk this whole time, man. I'm like, I, I have a few random questions because I'm just kind of like trying to psychoanalyze you. Like yeah. for, for for one, I just don't like fully get you and I want to like, I want to like capture a bit of that in the bottle, you know? But for, oh, yeah, for, yeah. for two, I just want to like, I want. I want to know what makes you tick, just for the sake of curiosity, because you're you're setting yeah. a bar for the planet. You know, you're breaking world records. You're you're like living inspiration. You know, I don't oh, want to toot your horn, true. man, but like, wow, it's just the truth. It's crazy. Yeah. You're like, I, I have a it was just just for example, like, are you an only child?
2: I'm not. No, uh, I've got an older sister and a younger brother. I'm the middleman, the middle child.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I I just picture like. I mean physically this is so demanding and and mentally too because you're you have to plan so much and you have to go out there and push yourself physically but there's this emotional side where you're really alone for a long time
2: (laughs) yeah and i I don't know
1: yeah like i I saw something i think it was like an instagram post but you were saying that that was part of your training like you're like i'm i'm in isolation and i'm working out and it's like that's when i realized like you're you're that's like a muscle for you as well. Like you've consciously yeah. given yourself this time to be alone and to just be like, this is what I'm going to need to prepare for. I was joking with Nate, like before we called you, mm. like I would, I would be chilling with my friends. Like if I'm going to walk alone for a year in a foreign country, yeah, yeah. like I'm going to be, I'm going to be hugging my friends and family, like for dear life. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, exactly. no, I got to train being alone. Like that's, <laughs> it's, it's a smarter way of doing it. But like, I, I don't know. Like it's, that's for me that's yeah, hard think, it's kind of alien. yeah I don't know how to yeah
2: no for sure it is it is like that. I, I think um you know a lot of people train at, at gyms and they like that community which is a great thing to have um but I know that that sense of community won't necessarily help me on an expedition where I won't have what I'm used to having hmm. uh, and so whilst people they'll rely on other people to motivate them they'll be like oh yeah but Jade's going or David's going so I must go because I said I'd go and then you know, so there's there's that circle, which is nice. That's the great thing with social creatures. But with myself, I'm forcing myself almost not now, but before Mongolia uh, or before any expedition, a good few months before, to get outside in the rain, in the wind. There's no one there to motivate me. I have to motivate myself. There's no one there to make sure that I'm doing um, the exercises in good form. That I'm that I'm taking on all the right reps. There's no coach mm. to shout. Say get down lower on those push-ups or pull up higher, you know, yeah. on those pull-ups. It's it's all. It, I I am my own judge. I am my own personal trainer, my own nutritionist. So that comes with a big responsibility. So with that, I can either choose to to slack at it and just say ah, just keep hitting that snooze button. But at the same time, I know that in Mongolia there will be no snooze button. that, that won't give me no. That doesn't care who you are. That will beat you up. And and leave you stranded, you know, so I I am remembering that in the morning and getting myself out there thinking, you know, right now, I'm fortunate enough to have that option. But if I take option A, which is to get out there and grind hard, I'm going to be prepared, not physically, but also mentally for the demands of Mongolia. So, yeah, you're right. There is a lot of, um, you know, I'd say it was almost 60 or 70 percent mindset um, and maybe 30, 40 percent physical
0: That gives me a good point. Uh, You know of Cameron Haynes?
2: Um, I didn't, but but a few people have been tagging myself and him a lot on Instagram. So I've clicked over to his profile. He's a hunter, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. He does like crazy ultra marathons as well. And like he'll he'll do crazy treks and go for the hunt. But he had a great point in one of the podcasts he was on. He said that like... His motivation is like the that deer or that elk in the mountains has no days off. When it's raining, when it's cold out, that deer or that elk is just constantly moving and has to survive every day. So that's, yeah. his, that's his motivation. And now I, I kind of understand your angle where when you're in those mountains in Mongolia or wherever, there is no days off when you're in it, you know?
2: Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, 100%. That's You've got to keep going. You've that's got a, your it's work. a brutal especially, honesty. you know, that worst case when no one's there to pick you up, you know? <laughs> The last guy who attempted the Mongolia trip, he um, he failed on all three occasions. I think he, he was evacuated just before, just after the halfway point. And he sort of made a joke. I said, how did he get access to such, um, you know, to the military, to such great evacuation? And he just <laughs> replied, marry a Russian. <laughs> 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 and it meant that because he married a Russian, he had access to the Russian military, which got him access to, oh, wow. I think the Mongolian military, and he was able to get a helicopter. Okay. Um, but I didn't marry a Russian, uh, so I went the hard way. <laughs> and and I, was just, you know, I was just out there, and my my backup was six days. But I think that was that extra motive then, that extra reason to take caution.
0: Mm, um, no safety
2: nets. Uh, all of the little details. Yeah, because I did hit a point in the Gobi where I, I did miss that point of backup. It was either six days to rely on pickup and for him to get me out or four days by walking, and I didn't believe I could survive for six days. And so my only option right there and then was to get up from out of my trailer. That's where I would hide to seek shelter. Uh, I was delirious. I was hallucinating. My organs were almost dried up. I was sort of rationing my last remaining dribbles for a few weeks in uh, the Gobi. And I relied on breaking my goals down onto 100-meter segments because I couldn't visualize the four days that it would take to get to that community. I was just in too much agony. My mind was wow. was a state. Uh, But I broke down into 100 metres because I could visualise 100 metres. You know, I could see 100 metres. And then by breaking them down 100 metres by walking, then hiding only for five minutes, because usually I could hide under my trailer for over an hour at a time, which would delay me and have me suffering even more. Um, And by doing that, I did make it to that uh, community, which I knew would definitely have water. One of the previous wells were dry, but the one in the community four days ahead, not only did I know it's a confirmed water source, but there's people um, where I could rest up for a few days. And I did just about make it. I was in a bad way. It took me eight days to recover. My urine was pretty much black. Um, yeah. My family were panicking, of course. <laughs> but day by day, we I got better. I bucked up that mental, physical courage. Uh, and, you know, potentially that's where that, that training helped again. You just never know, do you? You never know the reason as to how or why. But all you can do is prepare as best as you can in the hope that that gives you that slight edge that could put you a mile in front of yourself, which mm. could make the difference of life and death when you're out there, you know? And so, um, that's why I do train so hard. It's like um, little
0: victories for the big battle, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. And that's happened a few times now, even malaria. There's wow. been people that have died of malaria within hours. You know, I managed to continue walking for five <laughs> days, um, <laughs> until I got, you know, just crazy stuff like that. Like I believe with that, I still definitely did have the anti-malarial pill inside of me, trying as best to fight malaria because I was taking um some of the pills. But they only cover you eighty percent, and I was suffering with dehydration and, um, i well, I was vomiting and suffering with diarrhea because I'd eaten a dodgy eel that these locals mm. gave me. And so my guide was as well. So these pills were going in one way, pretty much out the other side. So I don't think I had my full dose, but. I still was able to push on, you know, with with that. And maybe that is the mindset um that I built up in the garden through the physical training. Cause I don't train just physically to help me build physically, but to help me prepare mentally too. Nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine like the like what you were saying about being your own coach, you know, like a lot of people just like it's like pure unconscious instinct like you're like you were saying you could hide under the trailer and, and an hour passes by like i see sure. that happening so easily like you just think you need that that rest and your yeah. mind starts playing tricks on you and you could have died so you actually yeah. had to get up and keep pushing yourself in a time when your body was probably screaming at you Screamish. like to just yeah. please stop and you're like well if i stop i'm dead so and mind's over right. yeah
2: yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I remember in that Gobi Desert, I remember coming across a few camel carcasses, you know, and and because my mind was in a mess, I remember looking down thinking, shit, you know, that could be, that could be me. I could just be a carcass there, you know, in the middle of the Gobi Desert with my little truck and my little GPS, you know, how how many days battery life did that have? I have no idea, maybe three days, four days battery life before it's dead and my GPS isn't isn't more. But yeah, you know, little things that would pop into mind. Um I but again, you know, even the the tractor uh, the not the tractor tire, the um the tires on my trailer, they were thin, so they were even sinking into the soft sand. So again we're looking at a one hundred a two hundred and sixty pound trailer, but now we're trying to pull that through soft sand um in forty plus degrees Celsius. Rationing the last remaining dribbles of water, with no breeze or no shelter, with weeks on end, with having lost probably ten kilograms up to this point because I'd faced the Altai Mountains and that took a lot out of me. So it was those. It was I was literally relying on those last few reserves that I had left in my body to get myself out there, and uh, <laughs> the mindset was crucial to that. You know, mental. Uh, I look back now and I think like, oh, holy shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know you. You must see yourself the way we see you. Like it's such a crazy in, endeavor that you're looking back on it, going like, "What the? F- how did he do that?" But he's you. Like you. Like you must have been on, on such an edge.
2: <laughs> yeah, what a crazy bastard you. After <laughs> you. <laughs> well, especially when you're talking yeah. about
0: like when you were younger, when you had the no permits and you were doing like the riskier ones, you know.
2: That stuff. That stuff. I look at. You know, Mongolia. I like to see is more concentrated you know that was meticulous planning that was attention to detail Hmm. you know and I really scared myself and prepared so much you know that previous guy who would attempt it, he was also a navy soldier uh, and a desert explorer whereas I was a 22 year old who was living on the beach as a Muay Thai (laughs) fighter and scuba diving instructor you know I'd never been to no desert I wasn't I wasn't in no military I was like what chance do I have but at the same time I realized no, just because no one's found a way to do something, it doesn't mean it can't be done. And it's that saying that really stuck with me. Uh, and that's what put my parents at ease as well. They would see this insane planning, the logistics. It was, it was, it's not kind of I didn't really see it as reckless because if there was something I was unsure about, I think I would have delayed it. Um, and just waited, prepared and trained until I knew I was confident enough that I could complete it. Uh, and mm. I did. I went out there knowing i didn't go out there thinking i might die i went out there knowing i've got it but i will face crazy difficulties and i will face the point of what that previous guy faced where he called for evacuation and the difference between failing and succeeding is whether i can get past that section he couldn't and that was the big question mark that was the only question mark of the journey for me And that's why I scared myself so much. And I remember he was a decent guy wrote to me in an email. And at the bottom of that email, he stated something that terrified me. And that was, incredible is the ability to continue no matter what. And I just didn't get that. I didn't understand what he was trying to say. Um, But it scared me. Uh, It scared me. But again, um, I used that to my advantage. And he probably doesn't he doesn't realize that maybe he was that little sort of guardian sat on my sat on my shoulder and that, that that quote helped me a lot because at that time that i was hallucinating and i was delirious underneath the trailer that popped to mind and i was trying to make sense of it at the worst place scenario but also the best place i could be in which i needed at most and i said to myself well no one and nothing's incredible of you know of course but if incredible was a thing, what would it do in this scenario? So out there whilst I was solo, I was almost trying to create, I was almost trying to personify incredible. You know, if incredible was a person, what would it do?
0: Mm.
2: And I realized that it would it would break down its goals. It would focus on the, the short-term um, accomplishments, you know, the little achievements and the little steps rather than the, the four days that it would take to get to that. And so... I almost could see this, this, this being, you know, cause my mind was pretty fucked <laughs> <I> was <laughs> out from under the trailer. I'm walking for a hundred meters. So what I tried to do is I tried to look at this incredible as a role model. And I tried to follow in the footsteps. He was always beating me off the line. He was always getting slightly further than me. He was always out from under the trailer uh, before me, but by trying my best to follow and just picturing, it, right. You know, I almost put it into a bit of competition, a bit, a bit of a race, um, that I could, never, I could never beat this incredible thing, but it helped me, whatever it was, whether it's in my mind, it, it helped me get to that community, you know? And that yeah. was just all personified by an email that he might have just randomly sent He pointed out all the difficulties, watch out for the grey walls, the stagnant water, the drunken or drifters, the snow blizzards, the sandstorms, the list went on and on and on and on, and at the end, PS, incredible, is the ability to continue no matter what Right. I just didn't, you know. I don't know what what you guys make of that quote. But I just didn't. Know what he, I th- I think was he telling me that it's impossible, or is he is he saying that it will take a hell of an effort? I don't know, but it it helped me at the time. That <laughs> that's, that's it's a random one, isn't it? It's a difficult one to analyze yeah. as well. I love it, though. I mean, like I,
1: personally, I feel like he was just being really humble. Like he was passing yeah, the I baton, so. and he's like, "You can do it, but this is the wall that I hit." And yeah. it's just—it's almost like just factual. It's just like he—he he gave you all these kind of warnings, and then he gave mm. you kind of like a spiritual warning, like this yeah. is what you need to be in order to do that. Almost and
2: like he knew I would face what he went through, you know.
1: I guess he's the only one who really knew that you—he yeah. like knew exactly what you would come up against, and yeah. and you—he—he um, he couldn't have known how you would hear that, you know. But like <laughs> you still turned the dial, you made that yeah. fuel and you know what's crazy i mean like you 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 were saying you were delirious and stuff i literally have been doing the same thing i am nowhere near your level man but like i just i just feel the need to say like i've i've imagined this person that's me but doing everything properly so they're always a couple of steps ahead and i get to kind of J-H. be the shadow of this thing that's and eight. and i don't yeah, it's it's crazy that you're you're describing this. And like, <laughs> it's yeah. something I've constructed to to motivate me, so that it's like I'm channeling someone because people motivate. Me. So if I can kind of create this imaginary person that's always a step ahead, at least yeah. one step ahead, like, then I'm what always
2: positive. You be doing right now, you know, with the days that you just want to chill or what? You know, if if you're on that mind frame where it's positive, you what would what would that be doing type of thing? And you're trying to keep up,
1: aren't you? exactly and that and that's what like the, again again there's like a it kind of forces humility because i feel like i'm this person's shadow it's like i'm mm-hmm. imagining something but then it kind of belittles me and then i go okay am i going to feel belittled or am i just going to take the actions cuz the feeling's not there all the time and i'm a yeah. kind of feeling person I need, to, I need to be motivated first. And I'm, I'm realizing yeah. as I get older that that's really bullshit. Like, you, <laughs> you, it's, not, it's not always there. It's almost never there, depending on yeah. who you are, what mood you're in. Yeah, but that, that, I have a question for you, because that, I realized that that feeling for me is caused by focusing on the bigger picture too much. And you were just saying how important it was for you to be not reckless. It was risky, but you planned so much. So how do you how do you manage that? Like how do you balance being so mentally prepared, but then in the kind of heart you only see those hundred meters? Like how do you how do you not get overwhelmed? Essentially.
2: Um, yeah, I guess I guess with myself, with being in that situation, I knew that I only had one option. And that option was to survive. It was to break down my goals. And that's the only way I could see myself surviving. Um, and so I knew there was no other way. And so that I needed to apply full focus. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. I wasn't um, thinking too deeply about friends and family. I was trying not to slip into that mode of looking back at the past because I was just too fixated on making it out alive. You know, yeah. I didn't, I think the longer that I'd be out there feeling sorry or maybe regretful or how have I landed myself in this position? And this is why the previous guy made sure he had the right backup. And that stuff doesn't fly with me. You know, that is excuses and that's feeling sorry for yourself. So right there. And then I just focused on the only option that I had was, which was that option to break the goals down and not be overwhelmed. Yes. It's four days, but let's look at it day by day, step by step. And as long as I stick to this regime that I set out for myself, I can do it. You yeah. know that was. It was also that shock of capture, that shock of realization. That holy shit! You know this is happening to me. Instead hey there. of sorry guys, Ash. I don't know. Hey. What,
0: I don't know what happened there. I just <laughs> my whole screen froze.
1: We were
2: just saying.
1: Ash was just saying that he he actually gave himself like a voicemail when he was like in a better mood, let's say, and he was like pumping himself up, like oh, positive. Nice. Ash, you were saying. I don't know the details there, but like you. Like yeah. you kind of captured uh, a, a stronger, or let's say like a, a calmer I, I, I self.
2: Captured, yeah, I captured the the motivated me here in Wales, training for Mongolia, because I was so scared of Mongolia. And what I would face, I knew that my mindset would change, my emotions would change, my thoughts and feelings would change. So what I did is I, I whilst I was at home, sheltered, warm, dry, a belly full of food, and and hot tea or coffee, you know, raring to go. That is like the positive me, you know? And so I set a voice recording and I told myself that I wouldn't listen to that voice recording unless I absolutely needed to. And Mm. I I actually only listened to that recording once and Mm. that was in the Gobi Desert.
0: Uh,
2: And it was just a, it was a brutal, it was harsh on myself sort of saying, you know, if you fail this, what then? You know, you're back to Thailand as a scuba diver, or you're back to Thailand. Did know as a is a lifeguard. You know, however, if you complete it, and it was all positives, and I was just saying, I was just pointing out, making it more black and white, and showing myself what it is and what it can be wow. uh, compared to what it might not be if you don't get your ass out from under that trailer, from whatever you're doing, and push on. And it, it, yeah, it was, it helped. I only listened yeah. to that once, and I was like, shit because you can almost forget the good side yeah. and you can almost forget the reason why you started. So I needed my positive self to remind my negative self, suffering, hungry, slowly dying, needed to remind that person who would su- who would be suffering, you know, why they started this mission and what happens if you just push on through this. So uh, little things like that. Wow. We and were- you know exactly
1: what you need to hear, right? So you gave yourself uh, not, i don't think people all know themselves that well you know i think you, you've you've seen you've been with yourself a lot so you knew exactly what you needed to hear and it was kind of the dry facts it's like mm. this person who made the message didn't know exactly how you'd be feeling in that moment yeah and maybe that that's kind of the virtue of it is like they're not telling you like dude you're gonna die you got to get up like this do this it's like no no remember why you're here remember why you chose to do this yeah. why you want to do this and yeah. then it's like that 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 person that you imagined that that is like steps ahead of you is almost pulling you now the way you're pulling this freaking cart, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: exactly that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. There's, there's lots of ways, there's lots of ways you can rely on yourself to motivate yourself. I mean, you don't need to look out. It's nice to look out at others for motivation and inspiration, but sometimes you don't have that. And sometimes um, you can be your own motivator. And that's what I, I tried to do. I knew that I'd be the only, I, I knew that it was my motive and there were big reasons as to why I wanted to complete this. And so I knew what the what the pros and the cons were. So I was just highlighting those, you know? Nice.
1: Yeah, but I, the biggest, the, the masters of the world are, they act like masters, they rely on themselves. So I'm yes. not surprised to hear you say that. It's something I've been trying to tune into because I feel like I rely on people so much. And for information, that's good thing because you're standing on the shoulders of giants there's nothing new under the sun all of that stuff yeah, but yeah. but for an internal motivation or for like a like a sort of love or 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 like just feeling a kind of validation as soon as yeah. that goes on the outside mm. it's 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 flimsy because people we all have our lives and, and like in your case there's literally no one else out there with you you need yeah. uh, like it's almost, almost like yeah and i'm i'm wondering i mean just who like who does motivate? Like, do you have any inspiration? Do you have any heroes? Do you have any, like maybe people from history, even
2: like, like, do you have like kind of big names in your head? Um, it's a funny one because the, a lot of people would think that it's adventurers or explorers, but the way that it happened with me was so organic. Uh, I didn't really know my, my history, didn't really know my ancient explorers. Um, and so there was no one really to follow in the footsteps of, it just sort of was my love and passion for the planet and to get out there, try new things, develop, explore the curiosity. Um, but now, now that it's more of a career, you know, I, I look at everyone and anyone, to be honest. There's no one in particular that stands out. Rather, lots of people from lots of industries. It can be the adventure world. It can be the the athletes and Olympics. It can also be the corporate world. It can be entrepreneurs I just love people who um, strive to do things regardless of the odds being stacked against them. Whether they succeed or fail, they go for it. And I've got a lot of respect for that. And it can be within any industry. Um, You know, and it's amazing. The more, oh my, I love, the thing I love about adventure as well is it keeps you so grounded. It keeps you humbled, I believe, because I'm constantly traveling and seeing people that you know, don't have an Instagram, who aren't telling their stories, yet they've got incredible stories and they've got loads to teach, lots of lessons to to um, to give um, and who are living a much harsher and more difficult life, you know? So my, my stint through the Gobi Desert, you know, that five-week stint, there's people who, yeah, not necessarily, you know, facing dehydration always like that in Mongolia, but there's people in different parts of the world who are facing that, um, who are going through that, not only for five weeks with this vision of just push on and I'm going to be back in this environment. Um, And so there's something heartbreaking about that, but also um, inspiring and motivational. And that's why on all of my adventures and uh, expeditions, I'm always looking at never to be about one man and his journey but I'm always trying to look at the bigger picture. And that's the reason probably why I do ponder up with environmentalists, with conservationists, nice. with raising funds for the Red Cross or raising awareness about climate change and the effects it has on the locals of the country that I'm crossing. Um, just trying to give back as best as I can. And uh, yeah, it's something really amazing about, about adventures that just open your mind, I'd say, you know.
0: Especially That's, the people you yeah. encounter too, and you're seeing these communities first handed you know,
2: yeah, well,
0: yeah, so there's a deep and, and connection
2: to the to my guides as well, you know, um various different guides who join me. I always believe that the guides get overlooked, um, and so what I always try to do is to um give credit where credit is due, you know they're all included in my in my book mission possible you know, they'll be included in in the documentary mission Yangtze nice. um. Because they're obviously a big, a big part of it, a big success. Uh, and I never used to like it the way people would get to the top of Everest and yet the Sherpas are the ones doing the grind. They wouldn't get no notoriety. So I don't want to do that myself. So uh, just doing things, doing things the right way, isn't it? And, and showing your appreciation along the way, I guess, for those people who helped to make it a giant success and may, would, maybe it wouldn't have been a success without people along the way.
1: What is it? uh, Faster alone, further together.
2: Yeah, that's it. Nice. I like that. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we said it's not mine. (laughs) It's not mine. We
0: we said it on a old podcast, but like now you can see there's lineups going up to the summit on Everest. Like it's it's not what it used to be, you know.
2: Man, yeah. Someone wrote on I put out like questions, and someone wrote on my Instagram: uh, Is Everest on the list? Um. And it just it just isn't not not because it isn't a challenge, because it definitely is still a challenge. It's definitely not the hardest one out there. And I do believe the likes of Mission Yangtze and Madagascar, potentially even Mongolia, are tougher challenges because you you know you you're not relying on that network, on that team, on the Sherpas, on you know, good holds, the ropes being tight. You know, you're relying just on yourself really. Yeah. Um but just because as you say, the queues and the amount of times it's been done and the people that that I know and have heard of who have gone up to to Everest with very little, you know, they're not real mountaineers, but they are rich. They've got the money so they buy their way to the top type of thing. And that for me is just imagine that queuing up. It's like a Starbucks line, isn't it? You know, you just cueing <laughs> up to get to the summit to get that selfie shot. I don't know, man. It um, loses its meaning. It would be cool, and it's still a challenge. I'm not yeah. mocking or dissing in it. It's still hardcore, and it's still be yeah. amazing and beautiful from the top. It's still a heck of an adventure, but people need to look outside the box. There is still – you know, the people say the world's a small place. It isn't. It is if you're on the beaten track. It is a small place if you're in that queue waiting to get to the top of Everest. But if you're off the beaten track, <clears throat> it's a big world, and there's lots still to, to see and do.
0: Wow yeah man
2: and how,
1: how can that not be humbling because like the beaten track the, as soon as you go off the beaten track like rogan talks about all the time like nature doesn't care about you and that's the humility <laughs> like that's the that's the humiliation the humility as i part. said in,
2: in, in mongolia i just got beat up that's right <laughs> <laughs> i
1: wanted to i wanted to actually ask you i mean like i know i know there's you have like multiple crazy stories and adventures like year-long adventures but it's, it's funny to ask you like a specific little question, but I'm just curious. Like, have you ever gotten like directly attacked by animals? Like, have you ever had to deal with like face-to-face, like, I don't know, like bears, wolves, even like a I don't know like a Wolverine or like a like a family of dogs or something like it's, <laughs> a, have, yeah. have you just gotten lucky so far like what's the what's the deal Yeah,
2: no, I have been I have been attacked. Actually. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I don't know why I'm laughing about it because <laughs> you're still here, man. Because you're still here. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing because at the same time I was thinking just then as you were speaking like I'm lucky in a way because I'm not being attacked because I'm thinking like the bears and the wolves you know they got close and I was stalked a pack of wolves for a number of days but it wasn't face to face so i was thinking that's pretty good but then i was thinking my scuba diving life and the little, the little bastard trigger fish that come after you attacking you with and, and the, the <laughs> monkey that bit me on the leg and the, the dogs that surrounded both sides and i had to roundhouse kick one in the face and throw a <laughs> rock at another and they were still coming at me <laughs> and then i was thinking yeah maybe i'm not so lucky um so i guess in terms of the big ones like the wolves and the bears I've been all right, you know, um, but I definitely have been, yeah, I've been bitten by spiders. I've been sucked on by leeches. I Oof. have been attacked by monkeys. I have been ganged up on by, by Tibetan mastiffs in the Tibetan plateau. And they are, they they almost look like bears. Those are scary dogs. Um, <laughs> those are <Jeez>. scary dogs. <laughs> um and so, yeah, I have had my I've been stung by a crown of thorns, which injected some venom inside me, made me sick the next day. Um, that was scuba diving. No. <laughs> they, they eat the coral. And actually, when you see them, you're supposed to kill them because they were introduced and they're starting to take over and they've got no they've got no predators. And so they're just flourishing in their numbers, destroying the coral reefs. Uh, scuba oh, wow. instructors are supposed, supposed to really kill them. Um, but this one had developed a, a tank-like shield and I was trying to prod it with my knife, man. My I slipped in super fast, and it just took revenge, instant karma. just <laughs> stabbed right at my finger.
1: <laughs> Holy. Jesus. Oh, man. I just have like an anxiety a little bit, like talking to you, man. Like
2: <laughs> just... It's been crazy, and all of that pretty much before the age of 24, I think. Most of the stuff, apart from being attacked by the Tibetan masters, most of that was yeah, before the age of twenty-four, <laughs> mental. Do you have any
1: like um, lasting physical side effects? Like you've put your body through some crazy shit, man. Like you, like you yeah, were you were already almost dying, and then plus malaria, you know, and then like six other stories where you almost died, you know, like
0: <laughs> or yeah, like parasites yeah. or anything like that.
2: Uh, no, uh, fortunately, I I do get tested. Um, okay. Every time I get back home from a trip, you know, I go in, I get my blood taken the thorough checks i've even been over to switzerland one of my sponsors uh uh, health and happiness um and they are like really thorough checks and you know with malaria there's four different strains of malaria you've got the three lower strains uh, and they can remain dormant in your system forever they can creep their ugly head every now and again. um however fortunately but unfortunately i did get the deadliest strain which is called (laughs) falsiparum but if you're lucky to catch it within 24 hours, it usually kills you within 24 hours. Um, you can have it eradicated out of your system.
0: It's a small window, though.
2: A small window, and mine was five days. I didn't catch it within 24 hours. <laughs> it took five days to get there. But you know, I arrived only, the doctor believes, a few hours before I slipped into a potential coma. Um, but she acted fast, You know, thanks to, to her. I'm still alive today. Um, and she eradicated it out of my system. And I have had my my checks, and yeah, yeah. The doctor's saying it's like it's like I've never been on any expedition. You know, my body's my body's looking good. But then I eat healthy, I train. I I do believe that uh, you know these little diseases or viruses now and now and then. You know, they perk up your immune system. They keep it sharp. Yeah. I think if you're not using your immune system, it's going to drop down and and remain dormant. And so what I haven't given is my immune system to remain dormant <laughs> I've woken it up many times um, and, and so it remains sharp and vigilant <laughs> uh,
1: do you do, you do uh, like cold showers or ice baths do you do Wim Hof breathing like do you are you into that guy at all or?
2: I don't. I don't. Um, I, I would try it though. Ice cold baths. I, I used to jump in the Yangtze River on my expedition. That was ice cold, glacial <laughs> water. But um,
1: <laughs> rivers are the best because that
2: it'll never freeze,
1: right? It's like yeah, you could get below yeah. zero. <laughs> it's just yeah. moving. oh
2: man, so.
1: Oh. Uh, we're up in Canada, man. Like when it's winter and you take a cold shower,
2: it hurts. Yeah. It's not. It's it's <laughs> straight bet. paint. Yeah, it's like I bullets bet. hitting your skin. It's yeah. the worst. So, oh, it's so ace in Canada, man! You have all the seasons there is. It seasons done right, isn't it? Proper yeah. winters, proper summers. Here, we just kind of it just it struggles. It's like I want to snow, but forgot how. Don't really know how to. I want to. <laughs> I want to get the sun shining, but ooh, don't know about the temperature. It's it's messy. It's like a it's like an old person when their body stop functioning. You know, it', it way well, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I
1: love it. I, I actually joke because you know, like the climate is shifting, for better or worse, in a lot of parts of the world. And I actually joke that Montreal is the new Wales because there's just you. You guys are known for just rain, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. There's it even just, this. Just,
2: it, it just uh, forgot. It, it's almost like it's forgot how to do things properly. But there we go. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: at, at least it's consistent. You know, like it's if it's just raining all the time, then you're prepared for that in a sense. You know, yeah. we're not prepared 12th, for it, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that sucks.
2: No. I <laughs> no, it's all right now. It's all right. You know, the, the nicest it's been in, in recent years is probably during lockdown.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Great. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so, so everyone wants to get out. They're like, Oh my God, what's the weather doing in Wales? We need to get out. Oh no, we can't. We're in lockdown. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Thanks COVID. Um... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, but when I don't we are still getting
2: out and about to be honest wales is it's relatively quiet anyway you know it's i call it the land of old so a lot of old people like to sort of retire over here because it's a nice peaceful place you know not much crime not much of anything going on to be honest uh it can be boring place as a youngster but a great place if you if you're elderly so um uh, yeah, I always just call it the land of olds now. <laughs> I'm trying go, to, I'm forward. trying to
0: see where this this person came from, and I feel like maybe this this calm environment sprung all this chaos that you needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs>
2: maybe it's the ridiculous health and safety. Yeah, and you just needed
0: a way out, so you go to fucking Mongolia, <laughs> and they they got you out of it. <laughs>
1: It sounds like because uh, you were talking about when you were younger and, and like, you know, these things all the teenagers do where you where you kind of go into nature and you just kind of want to get away and have like a nice environment. But it sounds like instead of like, obviously, those are great moments with friends, but it sounds like yeah. you got a connection to nature through that. It sounds like you had this whatever, whatever that means to you. Like there's a like you're saying a connection to the planet, a connection to the the yeah. people. It kind of gives you like a like a kind of spiritual perspective, a kind of broader, like, Oh, I'm not alone here. Or like all this stuff that came before me, actually, you, like, form that into a question. If you want to, you know, like what, what is, what is your connection to nature? Like you're, you're like a survivalist now or like whatever the word is. You're like a, you're like a professional pr- crazy <laughs> adventurer. Like you're literally, it's like, it's like your job title. You're an adventurer. That's like a, you're an Indiana Jones, you know.
2: And I put that on my uh, business card. I am professionally crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, the, the, my time with the jungle community in Myanmar, that was after the Vietnam cycle. The Vietnam cycle was my first reckless adventure, and that was the catalyst, I'd say. Um, after that, we only spent a few days, a few nights in the jungle with the community, and this jungle had everything, you know, it was hot, it was humid, there was mosquitoes, there was leeches, apparently there was tigers, um, there were wild boars, there were snakes, there were everything, everything in this jungle. And I remember the locals would teach us how to how to hunt, how to gather, uh, they'd show us bamboo and the fact that bamboo can be used for almost absolutely everything. In, in fact, the guy that taught us that, he loved bamboo so much that he named his son Bamboo. Wow. Uh, which was pretty cool. Um, and how to build rafts and shelter with bamboo, you know. And it was that time in the jungle, the first couple of nights, I remember I woke up, you know, my bedding was a banana leaf under more banana leaves, which were constructed on this bamboo uh, bamboo shelter that we had uh, created. And I woke up in the middle of the night, you know, the fire is still going, letting off the smoke to keep the flies and mosquitoes away. But then I looked down at my banana leaf, because it's this sort of, this this ridge. And on one of the ridges to my left, I just saw these big ants, you know, big ants marching up and down. And at, at the time, I was a bit freaked. They were like red ants. I could see their little pincers, you know, ready to bite me. And I was just a bit like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. And I couldn't really couldn't really sleep. However, come the third night, and this is where, I, did, I didn't know the saying back then, but I love it because I can relate back to this moment, is, um, the more you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, the more comfortable you become.
0: Mm.
2: Come the third night, I looked down and I realised they don't want anything to do with me. You know, they're they're busy with their routine. They've broken their goals down, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> they've got they've got a goal that they're working on, and um, you know, they're just, they're just not pestering me. They're not on me, and I fell I fell asleep again. And, it, I, and I woke up again about four hours later as the sun um, had risen and I was looking down at these ants, still no ants on me. And it was at that time that I started to care less about the mosquitoes and the flies, start to realise that the jungle isn't all against you. You know, if you know what you're doing in the jungle and you know how to work with the jungle, it can be your ally. Wow. Um, it has everything you need to survive to thrive. This community rely on it to live their whole lives in their community. And it you know, I was eight I was only a teenager really. I was I was nineteen. And it was at that point I just realized that, you know, there's almost this bit of fear and scare against these different environments, like they're against you. And yeah, they will punish you. They are brutal. You go in and you come out like you've just finished a Muay Thai fight. <laughs> But, um, you know, if you know what you're doing, if you know how to handle the elements, if you know what's edible and what's not edible, and if you're just content and comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know, you can be at one with nature. And I guess that I, I learned that age 19 and I tried to develop on that. But what really taught me that wasn't just being out in the environment. It was the people. It was the locals. And so whilst I wouldn't really call myself a survival expert, Um, because you know, there's, I'm not an instructor in survival. I don't teach people how to survive, but drop me in an environment and maybe I stand a good chance of surviving. I've proved it on my previous expeditions, but that's thanks to the locals that have taken me in, have, have shown me only a small fraction of their knowledge because they hold so much knowledge. You know, you need to spend years with them to, um, to really soak up all that they know. You know, but I would use their knowledge, their a little bit of their expertise and apply it to my journey, which would help me survive my expeditions. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. And, you know, I do try to learn from the locals. Uh, that's what I'm intrigued about. Uh, but maybe, you know, when yeah. I was camping earlier with friends, that's potentially where the seed was planted, where you'd wake up and the sun was rising. And you're just out there, you know, in, in nature. But, um, uh, I love my luxuries as well. I love my extremes. You know, I'm not this, and it's funny because when I do my, when I do my talks like the Ted talks or, or whatever, I have people come up to me at the end saying that they can, they can actually relate because they're talking to me and they're like, and you're just like a, a normal guy. And I'm like, well, I am, I am a normal guy. What do you mean? It's like, well, you're not walking on stage barefoot. You've not got this big beard and these wide eyes like a wild man. Um, you know, so I'm able to relate to your to your story. And it's like, yeah, you know, I like my extreme, I still love my luxuries. I love my uh, nice flash hotels and whatnot. It's just when I have to be extreme and when I need to survive, I can, I can do that. But um, it's having that healthy balance, yes. isn't it? And being able to adapt. What's more important than being able to survive is being able to adapt. Um And I always do believe that first and foremost is the case, yeah. But I so guess
1: you're they're kind of the same thing. And like you're, you're, you're maybe, maybe you're not a survival expert, but you're maybe like a bit of a people expert, you know, like you know yourself very well and you know, these other people like through your travels or maybe before your travels, like you have this way that you, part of the survival is connecting with people who know how to survive. The locals are the only way you're going to survive. It's cool to see humans adapting to their environment and literally living wherever we can live. It doesn't matter how hot or cold or how wet or how frozen or how deadly. These people yeah. figure it out, and it's it might be thousands of years of tradition, or it might be the last ten years of science. But like we we kind of do have to rely on each other, and yeah, you rely as little as possible on people to do the, a lot of the things you do, and yet you you know you you just said it before. There's so many people in front and behind you, allowing you to do what you do. So mm-hmm. it's like. It's it just seems like you have a lot of reverence for life man. It seems like you have a lot of respect for 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 the nature of it but like the people of it and the combination the way they interact there's just it seems like you just have a very like a global mind. A kind of a kind of like psychedelic large truth is like uh available to you, you know, and it's cool to yeah. to see. You know, you, you you just maybe you do seem like a uh, an extreme adventurer and then yet a normal guy on stage kind of thing but there really is something um, unique about your perspective and through the travels as well that no one else can really have and I guess that's why you know the, the documentary, the book, like sharing that is is really part of it. You're adding to it now, you're one of these people that we can access the way you accessed. The, the locals you know like we get to kind of live through you vicariously mm. yeah it's, it's it's not the same but like i'm never gonna fucking do what you did man <laughs> you <know>?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no that's it. and that and that's always how i try to portray it as well like when i speak of these stories i never really wanted to come across as in like i hiked through the jungle of madagascar so can you you know here's your machete i hope that people take it <laughs> in a way you know in a way i hope they they see it as we all face our own jungle in life. You know, we all cross our own desert in life. We all have these different levels and these different platforms. We all have these goals um, that must be managed appropriately and broken down, but otherwise they'll seem overwhelming. That can be working for your degree. That could be working on your career where you've got to start at the bottom of your ladder. That could be finishing your essay, (laughs) handing it in on time. That could be absolutely anything. Um, And so I try to share little messages from these Uh, expeditions like in the jungles of of madagascar i learned that you know we can't always be motivated that's just impossible doesn't matter who you are you can't always be motivated but you can be disciplined and that's the difference and discipline is something that you force yourself to do even though you don't have the motivation or yeah you just can't be bothered bothered doing it with with um, you know the Gobi desert it's breaking the goals down and holding the vision you know, with the Yangtze, a big, a big lesson there was, was probably, you know, it doesn't matter if no one else sees it for you. What's important is if you can see it for yourself. You know, it took over two years to plan Mission Yangtze, and we were already delayed by two and a half months from starting. And it got to such a point that my team, most of my team here in the UK and in China, were calling me up saying, you know, abort it. You're going to face minus 40 uh, the bears, at the worst case, they're coming off the mountains. They're looking for food before they go into hibernation. Um, no one really, no film, film crew want to join you. No guides want to be up on the plateau in the depths of winter. Abort it and try again next year. But I believed in my training, believed in the preparation. I held that vision. And no matter what anyone else saw for me, I could see it for myself. I knew how capable I was. And as humans, we are far more capable than we give ourselves credit for. And I went for it. Yes, it was a risk, but. It wasn't a reckless risk. It was a risk that I had assessed, uh, assessed and I knew that I could make it off the mountains before the, de- the depths of winter. I would face the minus 20s, but not the minus 40s. Wow. Um, and I guess a lot of people can. They can listen to other people a little bit too much. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. But go with what you believe. You know, hold it. Don't let anyone knock it. You will have naysayers, but um, it doesn't matter.
1: Well, I mean, you can say that because you, you put in the the preparation and, you know, experts are telling you like, hey, maybe, or maybe maybe not experts, but like your team, people you trust, people who have the same information as you, but then they're telling mm-hmm. you like, hey, maybe this isn't the best idea. It's like, even with all this preparation, there is this moment of, I guess I, I, I'm reluctant to use the word faith because there's so much, it's informed faith. It's a very, it's, it's not a leap in any way but mm. at the same time you do have to let go and trust yourself and that's at, that's at the beginning you know yeah. like the, you have to you have to you have to keep that feeling going for another year at that point <laughs> yeah. and and you're doing something where i imagine i wanted to ask you actually like people probably tried what you tried and died which is which must be such a mindfuck
2: fuck. But yeah.
1: you're you're just like bah i can do this it must, it must have, I don't know. There
2: was, there was a team that attempted to, this was the scariest story, is there was a team, it was in the 1980s, it was uh, Americans who were attempted to be the first people to raft down the Yangtze River, but then the, the Chinese got wind of that. And of course they wanted to be the first to raft down their own river, you know? Um, and so there were, effectively there was this race between America and China on, you know, who could complete this expedition first within the first two weeks, I think it was two or three people that died of altitude sickness. Bearing in mind, they're dropping in elevation faster because I'm walking, I'd be up at elevation for a lot longer. Um, there was the threat from wildlife that they had. And then before the halfway point, I don't know how many died, but both of the rafting teams had failed. Um, they aborted the expedition before the halfway point. Now that always played on my mind as mm. I was thinking if, if there's any difficult way to go about the yangtze it's to walk it and there were times that i wish i had some sort of raft if i did i wouldn't used it anyway because i would have been uh, disqualified but there's lots of bends weaving in around still calm water but either side of that is these v-shaped cliff faces you know that i've got to now navigate and go over following the bends it takes almost a day just to get over one bend but all of that, yeah, definitely plays on your mind. And with Mongolia as well, that the reason why I say that, that wasn't the toughest expedition. Um, obviously, definitely one of them. But the reason I say it was the scariest is I wasn't at this level I am today. Um, I was this, as I said, just this Muay Thai scuba diver living on an island. Um, not a professional adventurer, just a reckless adventurer, actually, Mm -hmm. I would say, back then. But there were these professional adventurers telling me it was impossible. Uh, People who were taking on the world's most dangerous horse race uh, across Mongolia, covering a 1,000 kilometers, saying that the horses struggle, let alone a guy who's never been there attempting to pull a trailer. And they were saying that the Louise and the nomads, you know, when they travel, because the nomads have traveled all over the country, of course, um, and they still do, uh, but they travel with yaks or camels, and they tra- travel as a close-knit community, you know. But with that, that got to me so much that is another another lesson really about the breaking the goals down. Is I I actually searched for the impossible day beforehand. I had a, a fantastic logistics manager called Rob Mills who lived in Mongolia for such a long time. But he's back in London. We went to the Royal Geographic Society. We had these amazing maps. And actually, instead of looking at the whole anticipated to be 100 day expedition, I looked at every single day and I asked him, you know, from your knowledge, you've traveled a lot of these parts, which is the impossible day? And we literally mapped and looked at each day. It took us a long time, but we effectively broke it down into every single day and we realized that there wasn't an impossible day every day was possible. Nice. Now, that's the difference. That's when I went against the uh, the professionals, um, and that's when I said it can be done. Uh, and I and I went out there, I believed in the preparation. Um, I believed it could be done. Yes, I almost died. Was that preparation? Was there a bit of luck? Who knows? Um, but we made it, you know? We oh, made yeah. it, and <laughs> I, would have, I would have never have known if I allowed the naysayers or the critics who were saying, like, that's a stupid idea, that's foolish, or that's just plainly impossible, I could be still sat here today thinking, oh, yeah, once I was uh, preparing to uh, walk across Mongolia yeah. and it would have only ever been a story of what I once may have attempted rather yeah. than what I went for.
0: You know, I see,
2: something go for it.
0: <laughs> I see this trend a lot. And it's when you break it down into goals like the hundred meters. At some point you had to narrow it down to every hundred meters because it was that bad. Yeah. But yeah. when you have everything broken down, it's all that's left yeah. is you and whether you trust that you can do each step. And if you can have that self-trust, then yeah. whatever the fuck is going on, it doesn't matter because you know you have to each hit each checkpoint every day, and then you got the, yeah. the greater pictures done. It's incredible. Exactly that, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And you know, and there's something so exciting about it, very daunting as well, because like, I remember being on that start line, just the wind, I was over <laughs> 3,000 meters. It was, it was freezing, maybe minus 10, minus 15, and I was just knew that I was camping in the tent but there was something very exciting that I am now relying just on myself because there was a lot of team involved, you know, uh, and a lot of kudos to these logistics managers, um, um, you know, to my parents, to family as well, and to people who just helped me get to that start line. But now it was at the point where I self-reliant, you know, whether I succeed or fail, it's now down to you to make it happen. And there's wow. just something overwhelmingly scary, but exciting about that. You know, I'm yeah. sure you can relate when you are working on a project and you're like, oh, shit, this is it. I'm going headfirst into the deep end. on Oh, it.
1: absolutely. Ben. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but like there's, um, there's a shitload of pressure. There's so much, like two years of planning into, into, uh, the Yangtze, you know, like the, um, you're, that you know first I mean? day must be overwhelming.
2: Yeah, and you know, I'll let you in on a bit of a bit of a, a, a secret. Well, it's not a secret, but I just don't discuss it much. Is sometimes yes. you, <laughs> I just sometimes <laughs> like yes. <Yeah. laughs> you know, as you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a risk taker. So with Mission Yangtze, I was planning it for two years, but for the first year, we couldn't get it off the ground. Um, I had certain teams in place, but they didn't really believe that I was going to go for it. Despite Madagascar and Mongolia, they didn't believe it could be done. There was a lot of wasted time. Um, sponsors were on the fence. They were like, yeah, we want to jump on board, but we kind of don't. And there was just this mass circle of people on the fence. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't take one team member or one person to take the first jump. I thought, how am I going to stir this shit up? How am I, how am I gonna? How am I going to create shockwaves? And so what I did is I actually (laughs) announced it to the press. So before I had the funds to do it, before I knew it could be done, before I had the team, the finance, the sponsors, the logistics, I went to the press and I pretty much shouted about what I was about to do in the (laughs) hope that this would create enough waves for sponsors, for the team, for for people to then say, yeah, oh shit, okay, you know, the gun has been shot from the start line, it, it's all go, he shouted about it, this is what he's doing, and it worked, I was shit scared, because I thought I'm about, you know, there's lots of, prep. once I announce it, I have to find a way to do it, yeah. it was like, it was, it was through BBC, it was through the Guardian, Telegraph, it was through the biggest platforms, that I just announced what I'm about to attempt, and I secretly, You know, but (laughs) but if it goes the right way, if it goes that I am hoping and how I anticipate it will go, then it, you know, it will go well, we will get there. And we did get there. But if I didn't take that risk to announce it, despite not having, well, despite being very far from the green light. (laughs) um, It's so so another message. Sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and go for it, even though you don't really know how to do it it's like full but accountability like is, it, is, it, is it richard branson's quote as well didn't he say if someone asks you how to do something and if you don't know how to do it just say yes and then learn fast afterwards you know <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of like a similar scenario in a way but yeah. uh, <laughs> we got there in the end oh man that's full that accountability
0: so because now it's out in the public everyone's expecting it of you and then it's <laughs> like there's no turning back at that point
2: there's no turning back and i knew that the pressure would be there and i knew that i would find a way to make it happen because of the pressure because yeah. of the questions because of the flow because of the interest as i write like, i need to be progressing now week by week month by month i need to be i need to to be deeper into the project closer to making it happen uh, yeah. but everyone did shake up you know the, the the logistics team the production team they were seeing these articles it got them excited. It thought, wow, you know, we can get our brand amongst all of this, or we can be a part of creating history. Oh. Got them fired up. I was receiving phone calls then. I was like, well, yeah, I've been waiting for you to go off the fence for a long time. I'm ready, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that,
1: that, so, it's in retrospect, it doesn't feel reckless at all. It's like it was very strategic. It, like, it, it, I mean, it got it was, you there. So,
2: hindsight's was, twenty yeah. twenty. Yeah. Yeah. It was very strategic, but it could have turned reckless if literally nothing happened. <laughs> and that was the risk. I, you know, they could have just been like, oh, good luck. I should know you've got everything sorted. All See, the best. <laughs> so,
0: you took a gamble. Too.
2: I analyzed everything. Wow. Um, even my, my own my own family were nervous for me to do that. They were like, I don't think you're doing the right thing. I was like, look, trust me. It, it's, got, it's got to be done. Yeah. It's the only way
0: that reminds me of the story of cortez like it's obviously history he's not the greatest of uh, people but when he landed his ship with all his soldiers he burnt all the ships so it was a symbol that we're not going back we're only going forward oh
2: shit <laughs> you can <laughs> imagine that sweet, your general exactly destroys your ships serious level. <laughs> but it's that mindset
0: of of setting regardless of that example but setting that bar it, and then there's no turning back. That's just that begs yeah. for you to 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 step up to the plate.
2: A hundred percent. Sometimes having more than one option can be the jeopardy.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Having a way out or something, you know.
2: That sounded pretty good. Maybe I should quote that. Yeah. That. I'm gonna I'm, <laughs> gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna edit that for you. <laughs> we got a clip, guys. What's <laughs> the timestamp? <laughs>
1: But that's it's true. Just... That, like, you, what was that movie? It was like uh, one of the Batman movies where he's trying to like climb out of this hole. And, yes. And he has a rope, and he keeps yeah, like, yeah, falling. Yeah, right. And the one time he makes it is because he takes the rope off. Dark
0: Knight Rises, he though. Yeah. will freaking die.
1: Well,
2: yeah, and what, does he, what does he say? He says, "I'm not afraid," and he says, "That's that's the issue. You need fear to be able to fight." And and then he said, "Just make the jump," and he just like laughs Any but how? He just looks at yeah. and like removed the rope. Is like, and then you'll re-find your fear,
0: yes. and
2: that's why I always say, you know, fear, fear is healthy. You know, fear. You've probably even said this before, but fear, I believe, comes as a packaged deal. You know, it comes with doubt. Where there's fear, there's doubt. Doubt is the toxic one. You need doubt to a certain extent to start the training, to start the preparations. But the more you experience, the more you train, the more you practice, and the more you prepare, the less you need doubt because you're getting better and better to a professional level. That you know, if if you look at even snake handlers, astronauts, they don't want to be bitten by these snakes. They still have fear that this snake can kill them, but they don't have the they don't have doubt anymore because they handle the snakes so good that what why doubt? You know, so it's almost preparing an experiencing to such a level that you eradicate doubt, but keep hold of the fear because the fear I, I think is healthy, you need it. And that's an example with the with the well, as he climbs up the well, he removes rope so he can refine the fear now with the fear he's going to try even if it's that extra 10% knowing that if he fails he's dead yeah. and there's just that pressure that comes with it isn't there <laughs> he's only got one option and that is to survive otherwise he's dead I, I see it is
0: <laughs> <coughs> fear is interesting because it could hold you back but it can also make you more cautious and and actually aid you into to getting to your goals it's really interesting yeah. that you mention it like that I never really looked at it as a tool that you can use to sharpen all your decisions
2: yeah no 100 percent. i carry fear with me on all of my expeditions <laughs> um i just as much as the next guy in fact yeah you know but it's just about managing it accordingly and embracing it understanding it a little bit more i think it's you know fear is a lot of people don't understand it but if we all explain what fear is we'll explain it in almost the exact same way you know yeah but uh I guess the more you're staring into its eyes, the more you're getting familiar with it, the more you're learning about it, and the more you'll know that it's a good thing, how to use it, when to get rid of it, um, it becomes a tool, as you say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess it's, it's kind of a raw energy, of, and it's information, because yes. you're in danger, and it's a very physiological thing also. It's, a, it's one of those mind-body connection moments, and then yeah. what you're saying about separating it from doubt doubt is more of the imagination doubt is more of like you you even you even gave it a chance you're like doubt is good at the beginning because it's it's uh rational mm. because you you should doubt yourself because you don't have the skill and that goes away immediately as you start training but yeah. it doesn't because you're practiced in doubt and it turns into a kind of practice of maybe rumination or mm. whatever just a like a uh, you know what, like, like, a, like a imagination gone off the deep end, you know, like a waste of imagination. It's even yeah. in, in uh, I think in Buddhism, it's one of the five uh, hindrances, you know, like, like you might just sit there and doubt, whereas yeah. fear can be just a reaction and it can push you forward. Like you were saying, there's fear and doubt. Like maybe yeah. on the other side of that is courage, you know, like you need yeah. fear for either of those.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, even if you look, I remember speaking to a bungee jump, an, an instructor in bungee jumping, and I was like, how many times have you jumped? And he, he, he said over a 1,000 times. Um, and I said, so do you just, like, jump as if it's super easy? He was like, no, it always gets me just like it's the first jump. Hmm. And that is fear. That's because it's not a normal thing. You're not supposed to look down at that height and throw your body off. And your your body will never get used to that. It's still saying this is a stupid thing. What are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> you <know? laughs>
1: Have you it's, gone? Uh, uh, have you gone bungee jumping or skydiving or something?
2: Yeah, man. When I was 19, uh, I ventured from China to Hong Kong over to Macau, especially for the world's highest bungee jump. And it was my <laughs> first bungee jump, 233 meters which was ridiculous. Wow. Oh my God. I, I've gone skydiving, but I hear that bungee
1: jumping is actually scarier because you can see the ground quite
2: clearly. <laughs> oh, I, I think, you know, I've also, I've not done skydiving. I really want to get my skydiving license, you know? Nice. But um, what, what someone said is when you're in the moving plane, what it is, is you're already moving so fast already. So when you jump out, the, out of the plane, your body was already moving that 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 fast, you're just feeling the the wind. Now with the bungee, you're going from zero miles an hour through all of this thin air. There's there isn't that, um, you know, the wind's against you. Heavy, isn't it, when you're skydiving? Like instantly, as soon as you jump out the plane, I, I assume you know the wind is like oof, keeping you uh, keeping you there. But with with the bungee, you just drop like a sack of spuds through thin air. You don't feel any pressure from the wind against you. You are just. Wow. I'm
1: telling you, uh, you, you you definitely have the same feeling when you, when you skydive, like there's this, what what I described it as was like, when you were, when I was a kid, I used to jump onto my bed. Yeah. Like you just run into your room and like jump onto your bed and like, you know, so the you, bed's going to be that. there. Yeah. Well, like skydiving, it's as if the bed vanishes, then the ground, like the, the, the house vanishes, the earth vanishes, you pick up so much speed. It's unreal. But, uh, but that the wind catching you is. Is like a few seconds down the line, and those seconds are a long ass time because yeah, you are
2: yeah.
1: falling. Like you feel like you're in a, a car, and then you feel like you're in a like a rocket. Like you're like, <laughs> oh, this is fast, and then it it kind of it kind of just slows down quickly, but like not in a jarring way. And then you hit that terminal velocity, and then it's then it's eerie because you're so far from the ground, and yeah. like there may or may not be clouds, but like it's it's very peaceful and it's very awesome. And I, yeah. I only went once. It's my first time. I'm strapped to a guy. Like, there's 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 like a serenity. Whereas with bungee jumping, it's like you're just screaming no the whole time, like in your mind. I, <laughs> you're just like, no, no, I don't want to jump off this. I'm going to die. I know my feet are tied to a like a, a bungee, but like that is, <laughs> that is
2: the challenge. It just ground. feels so dodgy. As well. I remember even in Thailand, I was doing a much smaller one. It was just a 60-meter uh, jump, which is normally the standard 60, 50, 60 meters is the normal one. Um, but it was in this crane that would that would be blowing it 's like an elevator it would come down it collect you, you'd go up moving super slow it'd be blowing in the wind. I remember there was a guy beer in his hand smoking a smoking a <laughs> cigar that's strapping these tea towels to me and then straps the cord around me and i 'm just like looking at it and thinking you are smoking and drinking it. I hope you don't drop in, you know, this crates blowing in the wind. It was, like, oh, it was just everything about it was so scary. <laughs>
1: what, is, what is with us as humans? Like I literally put my life in the hands of whoever packed that parachute. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. You could be hungover in the morning, you know, didn't see their face. Yeah. Like just, just, all right, let's, let's do it.
0: I did a thought <laughs> experiment like that once where I, I thought about all the things I do With blind trust that if you really break it down, you're really putting a lot of trust into a lot of people on the daily, you know, that like simple, simple tasks, like even just like taking a bus, you're putting your trust in the driver being completely sane or normal in that moment. But it's like these little things that we just we constantly just let pass because it's normal you know
2: yeah yeah but constantly relying on trust in a way yeah you know, and, you know it's geez. it's yeah. really
0: crazy if you really think about all the things you do that require trust of others
2: and it's and that could go wrong yeah <laughs> i know the simple shit, the shit that you see that do go wrong as well you
0: know that's why when i was in thailand that was a big lesson is just cro- you know but crossing the streets in some areas there's no lights you just trust that you go and they maneuver around you you know it's
2: yeah Every man for himself, isn't it? hundred yeah. uh, percent. There's some stuff, like I was saying about the health and safety and how I hate it in the UK, that I went out to Thailand. I've gone mature now. Of course, it <laughs> makes more sense. But um, there's definitely something still. I don't know. You know, if there's a step there, just use your eyes. You don't need a sign to say, mind the step, and then a sign to say, watch the sign. That I'm with I you, man.
0: It, it worked <laughs> in Thailand, man. I love the system way more than how I, we have it over here. <laughs>
2: it's great, is it? I just think everyone is in a bit of cotton wool now.
0: Yes.
2: And And it doesn't serve
0: you. It does not serve us. It plays against us.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it helps and it doesn't help. It helps to some extent because, you know, you do get some silly people who will make some stupid mistakes if there wasn't a sign letting them know. Yeah. And I see that more and more in the world every day. Like, wow, how did he not see that? He just didn't.
1: isn't it the same thing though don't you find those people have their eyes closed a little bit because we're born in a society where we're on train tracks like if i drive in india i have to keep my wits about me and you kind of get used to that level of attention and and your your attention goes up and your calm goes like your calm stabilizes like your anxiety goes down whereas if i'm driving here just a couple years ago they didn't even have laws about uh being on your phone you know, like now you'll lose your license instantly because they understand it's worse than being drunk and all that stuff. But like, yeah. the, like you, you're, there's literally lines and lights and signs and, and you can't turn here at this time. And you're, you're, it's like, you're reading a novel. You're just like, okay, I'm just going to push the gas. <laughs> and, um, and you even have power steering, like it's a joke. And then, everything, and then, everything is in yeah. then you trip on the step, you know, like, like you were saying, because you're, you're thinking about what you, what you're going to cook for dinner or yeah. something.
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it's mental, isn't it? I do think, you know, you def, you stop using all your senses, don't you? Because there's everything telling you you should do this, you should do that. Whereas I think out there, like you were saying, in India, your senses, that's say they have to be 100% aware, yes. don't they? You know, um, things come yeah. from the left, from the right, from yeah. behind you, even from above you in India, you know? it's mental.
0: Out of nowhere, you get jacked up by a, by a tiger that just jumps into the street out of nowhere, you know? <laughs>
2: Oh man, yeah, <laughs> I was walking down a little alleyway in India um, it was just me and my friend, you know the alleyways in India are like a super narrow and we just heard lo- loads of locals shouting behind us and we turned round and there was this Raged out bull running right towards Whoa. us, and then we had to quickly slip into the side of the water. and Just went running right between us. I think it just got claustrophobia, just panicked, and just hated <laughs> for being in these little streets, and it just was looking for a way out. But it was running and running right for it. And if it wasn't for those locals, yeah, we would have just been rammed Ooh. by that bull. <laughs>
1: Dude, they're so strong. It's scary. Like one of them, like they're they're usually really nice because they're treated so well, you know. But like they, yeah. one of them just decided to like walk through me. And it was amazing. It's like a wall got up and walked. Like, I had no chance, no resistance. And it's yeah. it's a scary feeling of power when it's moving so slowly. It had no momentum. No. And it just shoved me aside like I was made of dust, you know? Like, pure
2: muscle, aren't they? They're just pure muscle. Wow. I remember being sat next to a tiger when I was 19 um, in one of these um, places at like North Thailand in Chiang Mai. And I was hit in the face by its tail, <coughs> its tail it it's t- it felt like someone punched me in the face, and I'm like, "That's just the tip of its tail, Yeah. you know." Yeah. <laughs> imagine it was just like a proper slugfest. Oh man! Uh, oh, wow. and I was thinking, imagine if that was its its paw, its hand. You know, you just don't stand a, a chance do you? Uh, how does that How does that make you feel as someone who's like uh,
1: extremely athletic? You know, like you're hitting the peaks of your genetic like abilities. And then an animal comes out of nowhere and, like, accidentally hits you with, like, its weakest limb. And you're like, oh, my face! Like, it's I need like a minute! A, it's
0: like a strike from <laughs> Brock Lesnar, you know? Yeah.
2: Exactly. It, uh, it, we're so, we are so people. <laughs> we're, all, we're a little bit pathetic, aren't we, I guess? We're fragile people. skin,
1: you know? So strong, but so fragile. I mean, like, you you yeah. survived some things that should just kill most people. and. Yeah. And yet, you know, like a the the wrong little piece of rock falling down a hill, or or the wrong you step wrong, or some people they just sneeze and they like they break a rib or something. Like it, it doesn't make sense sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's mental, isn't it? Like we cut ourselves so simply. Yet yeah, look at the skin of a crocodile; it takes yeah. an awful lot for it to cut itself. But that's it's what's uh, also
0: what you mentioned. The adaptability is what our fucking main survival mechanism is. You know. Well,
2: it, it's here, isn't it? In yeah. it? Homo sapien, right? I'm yeah. reading the. Uh, it's incredible uh and wasn't it the neanderthals who were brutes you know they weren't so wise but they were big they were one-on-one they were just destroyers almost as if they were silverback you know but we were just quick we invented the fire you know we were at the bottom of the food chain we were scavenging we were just nothing but gatherers we were all all vegans effectively weren't we vegetarians going right back in the day and that's why our knowledge of plants of, of what's edible what's not was was so precise but uh eventually when we created the fire the fire was a game changer really yeah um, we were able to scare lions off the the zebra what they had just hunted we'd just walk up to it like a badass knowing that they feared the fire you know and they would run away we would just pull this zebra hack off its leg off we go and we, we pretty much wiped out the Neanderthals because we would almost hunt like the wolves work in packs we could communicate our community we're almost known as the gossippers weren't we Whereas the Neanderthals would be like there's a lion down by that river hunting something. We would literally be like there's a lion this tall, probably this age down near the Yangtze River, for example, uh, with two other female lions, lionesses hunting hunting a wildebeest, which is approximately half a kilometre away, walking upstream. You know, and we would just be so detailed in our communication yeah. because we we used our brain, and that is how we just became so effective in hunting. And then we just progressed when we didn't need to hunt; we just kept developing in, in other means, didn't we? Until
0: until we ended up right here.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, talking <laughs> to people from the other side of the world through the via air technology. through the yeah, air. It's crazy.
1: I think I think I heard somewhere I that straight, Yanderthal...
2: when your video cut out before, we're like, "Oh, where's he gone?" Oh, and we're like, oh, my video must have just come out. Well, yeah, it is how many thousands of miles between you and. Instantaneously. You might get mad. You're
1: (laughs) like, what the fuck, man? This piece of shit technology. It's like, yo.
0: It used to take take three years to get a message to you. (laughs) Yeah, mental. Yeah, mental, right? It's really wild, man. Look, we we hit our time. Um, Fuck, that was a great way to end it, though, about the fire, man. You really got my brain spinning because uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice, nice. time as well. my battery is on like what's my battery on 15 percent it kept ash, popping up before <laughs> ash it
0: was really an honor to talk to you brother it was a you're fucking no r- appreciate that thanks for
2: calling through guys it's been a great chat lots of mixed questions i've enjoyed it
1: oh yeah man. <laughs> i'm glad man dude you know, I, I i didn't know how it would go you know because you're there's so much i want to pick your brain about but like it's just honestly it was just fun talking to you
2: <laughs> yeah no definitely i'm sure we'll do this again hell yeah man. I, I, I hope see so. You work when For i'm sure. next in montreal and vice versa if you ever venture to the rainy wales um let me know <laughs> sweet brother if oh, you want to yeah, if you have any plugs
0: i know you spoke about your book and uh, there's a documentary coming out if you want to just give people a link or somewhere to, to go check you out i'll put a link in the description too
2: yeah no appreciate that yeah the book if people are interested uh, is mission possible that's on amazon um, if they're interested in seeing what's next, of course I'm just getting started. Mission Yanksy was only the warm up. <laughs> um, they can they can follow along on Instagram. Um, so yeah, nice, man. Uh, but most importantly, you know, stay sa- safe, stay healthy, stay productive. You know, this is a weird time we're going through, but yeah. every red light turns green. So I love that man. We will we will be back to normal again.
0: Yeah, just break those goals down. Yeah, that's it. I like yeah. it. Narrow it down that's, that's it. it all right brother okay, thanks, thanks again man take care man. of
2: it guys yeah take it easy see you, brother. you soon <laughs> see
1: you now peace